Genesis chapter 1 today, if you need a Bible, I encourage you to download our app. We're going to be reading beginning in verse 26. All right. Chapter 1, verse 26, the Bible says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So for all of you creeps today, no, I'm just joking. (laughs) So God created man in his own image, in the image of God. This is important. He created him male and female. He created them. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, see, I've given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, not for smoking and making you high. All right? (laughs) And it was so. Then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Father, thank you so much for your word today. God, teach us, instruct us. God, may your truth sincerely set us free today. Demonstrate your power by an act of grace. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You can have a a seat. You know, every master artist or every master sculptor has his or her crowning achievement. I think about uh, da Vinci, so many amazing things that da Vinci created and made, and, and yet most would say that the Last Supper was his crowning achievement. Um, or maybe if you like classical music, Beethoven Symphony Number no. 9, Ode to Joy, is in itself an amazing thing to listen to just with how it uh, apexes musically Possibly Mozart's Symphony for You, Symphony 41, or Maya Angelou's I Know Why a Caged Bird Sings, or uh, Michelangelo's Creation. In particular, you know, I think of all of the things that Michelangelo painted there on the Sistine Chapel, if you've been to Rome with us, you've seen with your eyes uh, Creation, or the Creation of Adam, and that beautiful picture of God's finger touching the finger of Adam. And I say all of that to say, that's kind of how the story has been rolling out here, the history of of the days of creation. As we get to day six, what we see is the crowning achievement of all that God made. And I want to say to you that when I say crowning achievement with respect to Adam and Eve, I'm not talking about how they were physically made. I think sometimes this is our default. You know, we think of this, um, this rolling apex you know, of creation, it comes to Adam and Eve, and, and we, when we think of the greatness of how they've been made, we think physically, it's kind of just our default. And don't get me wrong, uh, the, the physical body is a marvel to behold. Think about the human eye, starting to develop two weeks after conception with over two million working parts. One million nerve fibers that connect each of your eyes to the brain, 
And while your fingerprint has 40 unique characteristics, your iris has 256. Now, that's not even to mention uh, the neurology of the body or the intricacy of the brain, but as beautiful, and I think like this is this what you know it, it's just fabulous to behold. This is why David said, I am fearfully and I'm wonderfully made. But when we get to day six uh, and we think about this you know, apex of God's creation with Adam and Eve, we're not talking about how they were made physically, we're talking about the fact that they were made in the image of God. In fact, if you could put music, if there was a symphony written to the days of creation, and there is, you know it would start with the kettle drums like rolling heavy and hard on day one, and then all of it would just be this beautiful musical climax on day six because we are made in God's image. Just so you know this today, you are not made in the image of an ape, you are made in the image of God. You're not made in the image of your favorite intellectual or your favorite philosopher. You're not made in the image of your favorite athlete or your favorite business magnate. You're not made in the image of your favorite rapper or your favorite influencer. Listen, so stop trying to be like them and start imaging the image of God. Stop taking cues from your culture Stop taking cues from your culture and start taking cues from God's word. This is what the Bible says to us, that God crowned creation by making man and woman in his image. God crowned creation by making man and woman in his image. I, I love the words that uh, we read in verse 26 where, where the Bible says that God said, let us, let us. Now, I know you're uh, students of the scripture, and so you recognize immediately that uh, personal, plural, pronoun that's used here as God is speaking. God is saying, let us make man in our image. He's not speaking to the angels or some other celestial being. This is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit having communion amongst themselves and determining providentially that Adam and Eve would be made, and consequently all humanity would be made in their image. And we know that that's the case because later on we see that the Bible says he created him, male and female, in his own image. The Latin for image of God is imago Dei. And I'm going to be mentioning that phrase a number of times. It simply means, like I've said, the image of God. It carries, uh, it's, it's pregnant with a lot of theological import. And so um, just understand when I talk about imago Dei, I'm talking about the image of God. It is also interesting, not to be overcomplicated this morning, but I've mentioned to you that there are two Hebrew words that we translate into our English word, make or create. Uh, one word is bara, the other word is asa. Bara means to create out of nothing. Um, the Latin for that is ex nihilo. So when the Bible uses that word, we're talking about God not using existing uh, materials or raw materials or resources. We're saying that he made it out of nothing. When we use the word also, when the scripture uses the word also, we're talking about God taking, and this is the word that is used on the days of creation, God taking raw materials that he himself created. Why do I say all of that? Because there are three times in chapter one that the word bara out of nothing is used. 
The first time is Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, when God creates matter and energy out of nothing. The second time is Genesis chapter 1, verse 21, where God breathes life into his creatures, his created beings. Let me tell you something. God is the only one who has the power to breathe life into inanimate objects. The third time it's used is right here in verse 27, uh, when the Bible says, let us make man in our image. So what does it mean to be made in the image of God? Well, certainly it means that we bear some of the attributes of God or some of the qualities of God. In saying that, you know, I am not saying that we ourselves are God. I'm saying he has shaped us to bear or to reflect some of his qualities. For instance, we're we are creative beings. We have the capacity to create. Why do we have the capacity to create? Because we've been made in the image of God, and God is the ultimate creator. We are relational beings. We're emotional beings. We have, we have the capacity to make decisions. We have a will that comes from being made in the image of God. We are intelligent for the most part. Just kidding. <laughs> We're spiritual. Uh, we're beings who have a judicial sense. We have a conscience. Why is that the case? Let me tell you today, it's not the process of natural selection that has you know, made us better and better. It is because we are made in the image of God. We're creative. We're relational. We're emotional. We have a will. We have intellect or intelligence. We're spiritual. We have a judicial sense, sense and a conscience, just to name a few and all of that is because God made us in his image. In addition to that, and maybe even more so, I would say, as, as purpose, let me say this about Imago Dei. Images are created to image or to reflect or display the reality or the true. That's the purpose of an image. An image is created to image to reflect or to display the reality or the true. And this was exactly why God made us in his image. God made us to reflect him because ultimately, excuse me, it was his desire to be known. It is the desire of God to be known. The image of God is not just something that humanity has, it is something that humanity is. We are living reflections of God Almighty. You know, this was revolutionary during the time of Moses because um, if you were living during the time of Moses, this was not how kings and potentates operated when they created an image. You know, if you study ancient uh, history, maybe, you know, you're doing a, a little archaeological study on Egypt or Assyria, what you discover is kings during that time, they would make images of themselves. They would make stone images and they would place them all around uh, their kingdom or the territory that they governed because they wanted everybody to know. They wanted everyone to know, hey, I'm the king, I am everything, I am what is to be valued, I am what is to be dignified, and the rest of you are nothing but slaves and serfs, and you have no value outside of supporting me and my kingdom. Like, that was the message of kings and potentates during the time that Moses wrote this under the inspiration of the Spirit, which is why you can understand this was so revolutionary, this was so revolutionary in that it gave a lift, an amazing, almost infinite lift to the value of every single individual. Because the Bible says, 
that it's not just the king or the potentate or the person that's valued in the eyes of the world that has dignity and value. It is every single person because they have intrinsic value in this. God made them in his image. Man, that's revolutionary. Are you with me today on that, on that point? God populated the earth with reflectors of his image because it's the desire of God to be known, but also this establishes dignity and value for every single human being. What we read today establishes dignity and value for every human being. I love what C.S. Lewis said with respect to this. He said, it is simple but profound. He said, there are no ordinary people. You have never met a mere mortal. You catch how awesome that is? Look, you've never met a mere mortal. Every time you've interfaced with another human being, you've connected with somebody who is made in the image of God. Now, this may sound foreign to you. It may not have much meaning to you. And if that's the case, and let me tell you something, you've probably bought into the lie of the world. The world lies about what value actually is. The world has a different message about our value. Your flesh has a different message about your value. The devil has a different message about your value or your dignity or your worth. I was pondering this and, and I wanted to show you a video today because this was what my mind started thinking of. <laughs> what do you guys think of when you see that, that little guy? What do you think? It's too much Starbucks. I, no one said that at the last service. What else? Running in circles, wasting time, going nowhere. Doesn't anyone think it's cute? I mean, I, so I look at this and I'm like, oh man, it's a cute little hamster, you know? And it is cute for a minute. It's cute for a minute, but then you know what? You, you probably have the same reaction over the course of time that I have. I start to pity that little hamster. I mean, I feel bad for that little guy, right? I mean, he is working so hard and he is absolutely going nowhere. He's going nowhere, right? I mean, he's gonna have a heart attack like that, especially if he's had too much Starbucks. But hey, how many of us are living our life like that? How many of us are living our life like that? Like we have bought into the lie of the world. The world has said, listen, if you can just work harder and you can make more money, get on the wheel. Get on the wheel and start running because your value is in how much money or how affluent you are. Maybe not just that. Maybe as we've listened to the world, we've thought it's not just money. Maybe it's fame. Maybe it's notoriety. Maybe it's influence. Hey, if I can just be an influential person on my social media, then that's going to bring me value and dignity. I'm not really necessarily concerned about being made in the image of God. I want to project a different image. And so you are racing, you are running, you are striving, you are living your day pursuing this thing that is never going to satisfy you, that is never really promoting real divine purpose in your life. You are on the wheel and you are going nowhere. Not, all, not only are you going nowhere, but that right there is leaving you empty. Maybe for you, it's more stuff, more opportunity, more fulfilled ambition. 
Maybe for you, it's this perception, if I can just make people think that I've got this perfect life, that I really have everything together. And so you work as hard as you can to project this image that everything is right and there's, there's no difficulty or struggle that you're going through, that you're this perfect Christian that's dotted all your I's and crossed all your T's and you're not resting in who it is that God has made you to be. Listen, we can look at the little guy and we can laugh, but the truth is this, many of us are on the wheel. We're on the wheel. Like we know theologically we're not supposed to be there. We know that there's been consistent conviction by the Holy Spirit in our lives, but we wake up every morning and we jump on that wheel and we are pursuing things even as Christians that will never satisfy us, that will never meet that deep-seated need that exists within our lives, that at the end of the day is going to leave us burnt out, wiped out, empty, disillusioned, and sometimes even thinking that somehow in all of it, that God has failed us, when the fact is we've been running after the wrong thing. We've been running after the wrong thing. And you know, the Bible says if we yield to that as believers, we are fools. We're fools. You say, Pastor, really? I came to church today for you to call me a fool? I say, well, those aren't my words. Those are Jesus' words. <laughs> Jesus is telling a story, um, and he begins it with a, with a principle. He says, he says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And then, then he goes into this parable and he tells a story about this guy. Everything's gone right, man. Everything's gone right. He jumped into the market at the right time. S&P was killing it. And he was, he was pursuing he was pursuing the things of this world and he was accruing and he was getting more and more and more. So much so that he's like, man, I've just got to build bigger barns to hold all of my stuff. And, you know, as that was happening to him, Jesus said this about this man. This was the inner conversation that he was having within himself. He says, Saul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat and drink and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you to live your life with no sense of eternity, no sense of what really brings value and worth. I want to tell you that the world lies to you. The world is lying to you today. The whole system of marketing and advertisement appeals to your flesh for a purpose. The Bible has a different message. You are made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. And because you're made in the image of God... Because you're made in the image of God, you have intrinsic dignity. You have intrinsic dignity. You are worthy of honor and respect, not because of your personality or because of how you've lived your life necessarily, but because you've been made in God's image. You have value. You have worth. There is an importance to you because of Imago Dei. And that is true intrinsically from the uttermost to the guttermost. It is true for Elon Musk, right? I'm just thinking, you fill in the blank for whoever you think, well, that person has got value. That person deserves to be looked up to. That person deserves to be fo followed. And then all of the worldly criteria that we attach to that individual that has nothing to do with the image of God, I'm saying to you, that person does have value. 
And that person does have worth and dignity, but not because of their stuff or their accomplishments, but because of what the Bible says about them. They've been made in the image of God from the uttermost all the way down to the guttermost, to the drunk on Fremont Street. You know, I, I was thinking just two examples today years ago. The first one is this. We were in Haiti and my friend Dan Valdez is here today. He's one of our missionaries serving at our training center. And he was with me when we went to Haiti. And, you know, we got into Haiti through the DR. We got out of Haiti back to the DR. It was a total miracle that we got out. But while we were waiting uh, to um, get on our airplane, we were in, you know, the main city there in the Dominican Republic. We were at, we were just walking the street right across from McDonald's, and there was a prostitute that was there. And, um, and Dan looked at me, I don't speak Spanish, right? So Dan looked at me, he's like, hey, let's pray for her. And I'm like, yeah, let's pray for her. And why don't you go witness to her? And she ended up putting her trust and faith in Jesus Christ. I mean, it was like total miracle, total miracle. I mean, God touched that woman's life and it was amazing. And you know what? She has value because she's been made in God's image and because Christ demonstrated love for her through the cross. Years ago, I was uh, on Fremont Street. We had an outreach after the exit events and we were doing some ministry on Fremont Street and I was walking and there was a, there was a homeless person and this guy had barfed all over himself. He'd peed his pants, you know, and I'm looking at this, this man and God spoke to me and God said, Derek, he is made in my image. Never forget, never forget that he is made in my image. We have to be so careful about judging people from the outside and coming to our own conclusions about value and worth when those things have nothing to do with intrinsic value. People are made in the image of God. Now, you might be thinking today, well, pastor, I don't really see a lot of um, reflection of God's image happening uh, among humanity today. And so the truth we know, according to scripture, is the image of God has been lost or marred through sin. It's been lost or marred through sin, but it is restored in Jesus Christ. You know, if you've read Milton's classic work, Paradise Lost, he just, just expresses what was lost uh, at the original sin in the garden uh, in Adam and Eve's life. And it's just such a beautiful picture, but it, it's not just the loss of the garden. It's not just the loss of paradise. Sometimes I think, we think, you know, when there was original sin and, you know, they did it. The dummies, they did it. They ate. We'll talk about that in a, a couple of weeks. Uh, we think, man, they blew it for us. Like we could have had paradise right now. We could all be living in a garden. We could all be chilling and not working, right? I mean, <laughs> look what they lost for us. But the real loss was not paradise in Eden. The real loss was number one relationship with God. God has said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because in the day you eat of it, you will die. And so there was physical death that ensued, but there was also broken relationship with God. The next time we see Adam and Eve, they are hiding in fear from the presence of God. But in addition to broken relationship, there's a marring of God's image. There's a marring of God's image. The fall defaced humanity's capacity to be image bearers of God. It didn't destroy it completely, and that simply is an act of God's grace. Like we, it's kind of like this. Apart from Christ, we're a mangled mess. We're a mangled wreck, 
right? What, this is what we see in humanity. We see evil, we see hatred, we see greed, we see avarice, we see all these things. Some people say, well, pastor, why is there just so much evil and wickedness in the world? Well, you have to go back to the book of Genesis. You have to go back to the fall of man, original sin. But you know, by God's grace, humanity still has the capacity to love, to demonstrate mercy, to demonstrate sacrifice, to be gracious to one another. That simply is the grace of God at work allowing some of his image to remain. But make no mistake about it, apart from Jesus Christ, we are absolutely lost. Just because God, by his grace, has allowed us to still, still bear some of his qualities and characteristics does not mean that we can save ourselves, does not mean that we can pull ourselves up out of this difficult situation, does not mean that we can just have a concert in New York, right, sing the Coca-Cola song in Kumbaya, and somehow through our great philanthropies and efforts, we're going to make this situation better. No, the only thing that solves the problem that we're in is faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's the only way to be restored. And that statement I made to you is in conflict with what the world says. Why? Because the world's worldview is framed by the theory of evolution. Listen, evolution says we're getting better and better through a ground-up process of natural selection. The Bible, on the other hand, says we have fallen from God and are defaced as, human, uh, as image bearers in a top-down regress that can only be restored by the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those are two completely different messages. Evolution says, hey, you can make it better yourself by your own efforts. The Bible says, no, you are totally lost. You are in need of a rescue. You are drowning at sea. And the only hope for you is to be born again. You say, well, what about religious people? Well, let me tell you about one. His name was Nicodemus. He came to Jesus by night. Like this man was meticulous about how he followed his religion, Judaism. Not only that, he knew more. He probably intellectually, biblically, theologically knew more about the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob than anybody else. Jesus said to him, you know, you're the teacher of all of Israel. But Jesus said to him, hey, listen, Nicodemus, you must be born again to enter the kingdom of heaven. You must be born again to enter the kingdom, kingdom of heaven. Nicodemus, your morality isn't going to rescue you. Your religiosity is not going to rescue you. All that you know in your mind about God through your intellect is not going to rescue you. You must be born again. And then he goes on to say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but should have everlasting life. This is what needs to happen. What needs to happen is you need to believe in Jesus so that you can be born again, so that you can be made a new creature, so the old things will pass away, and behold, everything can be made brand new so that you can have the new nature that God will install within you. This is the message of the New Testament. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, Paul talking about this very thing of renewed, restored image. But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. How? Just as by the Spirit of the Lord. 
And Paul says again in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 49, and as we've borne the image of the man of dust, we're born with the image of Adam, we're born slaves to sin, we're born with the impact of original sin in our life, Paul says, for those who believe in Jesus, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. When you are born again, God transforms and changes your life. He restores you to be an image bearer once again. What does that mean? It means we live in a way, we think in a way, we speak in a way, we treat people in a way, we see the world in a way that reflects the person of God. Is that your life today as a believer in Jesus Christ? Are you running on the wheel, pursuing things that are never, never going to satisfy you? Are you imaging what the world says is value and dignity and worth? Or are you living in a way and thinking in a way, speaking in a way, treating people in a way, and seeing the world in a way that reflects the person of God? When we put our faith in Jesus Christ, when we align ourselves to the purposes of God, when we become the children of God as restored image bearers, we understand. We understand that people, all people should be treated with respect, right? Every person, because they're made in the image of God, deserves to be treated with respect. Doesn't mean that you have to agree with everything that they say. Doesn't mean that you don't draw a line in the sand. But the fact is, every human being has intrinsic value because they've been made in God's image. That includes the boss that you can't stand, that you have to deal with tomorrow. It includes the spouse that's sitting next to you that has gotten on your nerves for the very last time. Hey, it includes that political leader. It includes that political leader that has pressed you beyond your limits to a point where you are so frustrated, you've allowed yourself to be carried over the threshold. And it's not just a matter of a difference of opinion anymore. You're saying things about people that no longer reflect the heart of God about that individual. Let me just say something to you today, and this, I don't know, whatever. Let me just say something to you today. We, we've lost sight, all right? Many in the church, many in the church have lost sight of the fact that every person is made in the image of God. And we've become so consumed in our culture issue and fighting our battle at the very same time we've allowed words to come from our mouths that do not reflect the value that God has for the people that he has made. And I know that that's true. I know it's true because it's what James says. James is like the master. If you ever want to get convicted about the words that you speak, read the book of James. And James is talking to Christians, and he's talking to a group of people that are like, man, they've just let their mouth run wild. They've totally crossed the threshold. They're off the rails. They're off the rails. And so he says, in that context, he says about the mouth of a believer that is, you know, doing things that it shouldn't be doing. He says, with it, we bless our God and Father, and with it, we curse men who've been made in the image of God. He says, this should not be happening. This should not be happening. Hey, we can't come in here on Sunday and give God our praise and then go out and find some platform to deface some individual and act as if they're not made in the image of God, right? 
Look, we know that people should be treated with respect because of that intrinsic value. We also know life should be protected. We also know life should be protected. We have a value for life because we know we're made in God's image. We're not pursuing vengeance. We're not pursuing revenge. We're not looking to violate individuals. We have value for every human being, and we know that life deserves to be protected because God says we're made in his image. In fact, when God himself lays out the process for capital punishment, and I'm not talking today about whether uh, I'm for or against capital punishment. I'm saying that when God laid out the system for capital punishment, the purpose that undergirded it was not revenge. It was not vengeance. It was not this concept that somehow by getting somebody back, we ourselves will be satisfied because you know that that never works. It was about the fact that when someone murders another, peop- another person, they have violated the image of God. Genesis chapter 9 verse 6 says this, whoever sheds man's blood, by man his blood shall be shed. Why? For in the image of God he made man. Listen, every, listen to me as we wrap up. Every social justice issue that exists on the face of the planet right now for the Christian, for the Christian, comes down to two things. It comes down, number one, to the fact that we've been made in God's image, and number two, by the fact that we know that God loves every single person because he gave his son to die on the cross for every single human being, right? Without exception, without exception. If you're one of those people that are like, well, I believe in limited atonement, pastor, uh, he only died for those you know, who would believe. Well, that's not what the Bible says. Reference 1 John chapter 2, verse 2, and then I'll share some others with you at another time. But listen, should, should Christians be engaged or care about social justice issues? Yes, we should. Why? Because we're culture warriors? No, not because we're culture warriors. Because we're jumping on some train that a certain part of our culture is engaged in right now? Absolutely not. Listen, we're concerned about social justice issues because it matters to the heart of God. I think about the unborn. We believe that every unborn baby deserves to be protected until that life has the opportunity to be birthed into this world. Everyone. Why do we believe that? Because we know that at conception, that little life was shaped into the image of God. And we know that Christ loves that life because he died on the cross for its salvation, for the forgiveness of his or her ultimate sins, and for the original sin that that little unborn life bears. In addition to that, I think about the issue of racism. Look, why do we believe that racism is evil and wicked and we absolutely should never be engaged in it? Because every human being has been made in the image of God. Because regardless of race, and let let me just say this, man, we have a very multi-ethnic church, and I think that that is one of the greatest beauties of our congregation and something that I rejoice in the most is, is the beauty, the beauty that God has created in the various races and ethnicities, and we know that on that day, Revelation chapter 7, that there is going to be a beautiful expression of praise that is going to be radically diverse as all of God's people give him praise, right? But we value every life. We value every life. We know that every life 
has intrinsic value because each one is made in the image of God and because of the cross of Jesus Christ. Why do we stand strong against misogyny? Why do we stand strong against the exploitation of any particular gender? Because we know the Bible says that God made him and her, Adam and Eve, God made them in his image. It's not as if God made Adam in his image and then Eve got the leftovers. No, there is an equality. There is an equality in the genders, and we know that because it is rooted in the scriptures. Why do we help the poor? Because they're made in the image of God, and but for the grace of God, there go I. Why do we try to help people with opportunity, with education, or people that don't have opportunities to have opportunities because we value their life, the scriptures teach us to? Why are we against trafficking and exploitation and pornography? Because we know the human life has not been created for us to fulfill the desires of our flesh. God has created people in his image. And one day there's going to be a divine reckoning because of Imago Day. I want to strongly encourage you today, stop letting the world tell you who you are and start listening to who God says you are. And you'll only know that as you read the scripture and you let the words of God dictate your understanding of worth, of value, and of dignity. Get off the wheel. Get off the wheel. Stop pursuing things that not only will never be able to satisfy your soul, but will leave you empty, burnt out, wiped out, disillusioned, and sometimes even thinking at the end of the day that it was all God's fault in the first place. It's not God's fault. Get off the wheel and start pursuing him with everything that you have. Lord, we love you. And we're thankful today for your word that has spoken to us. And we confess, God, in this quagmire of a world that we live in, there are far too many messages that we have taken to heart. All of us, all of us, it has influenced everything. And Father, we just want to be influenced by your word. God, we just want to be influenced by the way you see us. We need a renewal. God, we need a breaking of chains. We need a fresh work of your Holy Spirit. God, we're aware that there are those today in this room and listening online who have yet to take that step of faith and, and they're on that proverbial wheel running and they're empty and broken and they're searching and seeking and God, you are the one that they need. You and you alone can rescue and restore and make new and Father, we pray just by an expression of great love and grace, would you do that today? No one can change a human heart. Only you can. Today, we just, just want to so strongly encourage you. You know, you've and I'm, I'm saying this to you today and because I know exactly how this feels. I've, I've been there. You're empty and you're confused and you've been lost and you've listened to lies 
you've made decisions that have just been the worst. Today, there's a message for you to receive. There is a God who loves you. He loves you. What you've been living out is not his intended purpose. And today, there's an opportunity for you. No, no one, no one can take this step but you. There's an opportunity for you to step off the wheel. There's an opportunity for you today to be embraced by God's love, to experience forgiveness and the lifting of the burden that you've been carrying. There's an opportunity for you today to just vulnerably drop the facade, to just drop the facade, the image that you've been striving for with your looks and the way you dress and what you post online. You know, you can't keep that up. You can't keep that up and you don't have to. Right now, he, he, God sees beyond all of that stuff to the very person that he's made you to be. No one can get off no one, no one can make the decision for you to get off that train. You have to get off of it yourself. You've got to choose. Today, God wants to provide an opportunity for you to, to take that simple step. I'm saying simple in just the sense that, you know, it's not a bunch of works and your efforts and you fixing yourself. It's one step to Jesus. I'm not saying it's an easy step, but you need to make it today. And he'll give you the strength to do it today. If you've never put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, he is the one. He is the one that God sent to restore you and to rescue you. He is the one who is able to bring liberty from the burden that you've been carrying. He is the one that will give you the strength to get off of that wheel and fulfill every purpose that God has for you. Today, if you've never put your trust and faith in Jesus Christ, you've never been spiritually born again, we want to pray for you right now, this morning. This is the most important decision you'll ever make in your life. And so today, if you would say, Derek, that is me. I need Jesus in my life. I, I don't want this life I've been living any longer. I want the life that he has for me right where you're sitting today. Would you raise your hand? I just want to pray for you today. Stretch your hand up high. Let me see who you are. God loves you. Awesome, thank you. Over here on my left, here in the center, here in the back, over here on my right, over here on my right, thank you, thank you. There's not one unloved person in this place today. He loves you, and he knows every circumstance and struggle that you've been walking through. Come to him today. Come to him. Anybody else? Just raise your hand. Thank you, right here in the front. Awesome. Today, maybe, I see your hand in the back on my left. Thank you. Today, maybe as a Christian, you know, like honestly, brother and sister, you've been on it. You've been on the wheel. Like you've been on it. It's just a fact. And 
Today, there's a choice for you to make. See your hand over here on my right. There's a decision for you to make. Stop listening to the lies of the world and renew your decision to follow Jesus. If this is you today, would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. Awesome, right here in the center. Thank you. Over here on my left, thank you. You can put your hands down. Heavenly Father, we love you, oh God, and we thank you for every soul, every beautiful soul you have shaped and made and into your image. We pray for these steps of faith. God, for these divine appointments, we ask God, please, that your love and your power and grace would be experienced in each of these lives in unmistakable ways. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together today. Listen, for those of you who have raised your hands to receive Christ, uh, we're thankful for what God is doing in your life. And maybe as a Christian, you know, uh, today is a day God has spoken to you and, and you know you need that spiritual renewal. I led you in prayer today, or excuse me, I prayed for you today and that is good. But today I want to lead you in prayer. Why? Because God wants a personal relationship with you. God wants you to pray to him. God wants that personal confession of trust and faith in Jesus Christ. There's a step for you to take today that God is going to give you the strength to take. And this is it. I want to invite you to come forward. If you raised your hand this morning, right where you're sitting, I just want you to make your way down to the front next to one of our follow-up leaders. I want to lead you in a very simple prayer of putting your trust and faith in Christ and following him with everything that you have. So today, if you raise your hand to receive Christ for the very first time, or maybe as a Christian, you know you just need that moment, that moment in time of spiritual renewal, make your way down to the front so I can lead you in prayer. Here's where I lay it down, every burden, every thought. This is my surrender. This is my surrender. Here is where I lay it down, every lie and every doubt. This is my surrender.
simple prayer, uh, but make no mistake about it, God is present right now. He is not just going to do a great work in your life, He has been doing a great work in your life, and He is going to be faithful in this moment. So today, pray in faith, pray believing as you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Follow me in prayer today. You can pray this out loud. Oh God, thank you you have spoken to my heart and today I know that you love me that I'm made in your image I believe in Jesus that he died for me and that he rose again and today I choose to follow him with all of my heart in Jesus name I pray Amen. Amen. Awesome. So great. Praise God. It's great.